0: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
4: Hey, welcome in. This is the all-new All Ball. Doug Gottlieb here. And uh, just a reminder, you can listen to the Daily Radio Show, 3 to 6 Eastern. 12 to 3 Pacific. You can also listen to it on the iHeartRadio app or likely wherever you downloaded this podcast, you can download that daily podcast. Hope you're great. And we are creeping into uh, a time in which we're going to have basketball. I guess we have had basketball with TBT with the basketball tournament on TV. Get a chance to talk a little bit about that in a second, but um, like NBA basketball is a couple weeks away and it's going to be fascinating because as much as we we like to act like no one's been doing anything, I think the reality is lots of guys have been doing something. Now, now look, I have heard several players say, "Well, I hadn't touched the ball for a couple months." I I find that to be bullshit, frankly. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you've been doing you are doing full workouts the entire time, but the I haven't touched the ball in three months. Come on, and maybe you haven't, but that's negligence. Don't you don't get well there was just no gyms open try that one with your coach you know we're going to be reasonable about health and injuries and all that other stuff but in the real in the real world of sports i don't buy for a second that guys uh didn't touch a basketball or that guys couldn't find a gym right everybody everybody has if you if you if you're an nba player I guarantee there is a basketball gym which you could get some shots up. Could you be in your regular routine? Of course not. That's that's reasonable. But this idea, and I'm not talking about you had a Mike Conley set up or you had a full gym at your house. Every one of those guys, if they wanted to, if they wanted to, was working on their game or working on their body. All right, let's uh, welcome them in. Uh, I want to talk some hoops. I got some different thoughts. Eric Bossy, who's... Uh, a lead basketball analyst for Rivals, good friend of the program, uh, the radio program, and he's been on the pod before. He's awesome. Let's get after it. Let, let's let's welcome him in. He's Eric Bossy. He's a friend of the pod, and I think he does a great job. And, uh, Eric, I really appreciate you taking some time with us. Um, what are your expectations for basketball in the bubble? Like, when I say Hadn't played for a couple months. They're going to they're gonna have a have short training camp. Uh, they, they, they start games in a couple weeks. What are your expectations for what Hoop looks like?
5: Uh, I think it's going to be, hopefully, a little bit higher level than most people are expecting just because I feel like there's a lot of these guys who are ready to get out there and compete. But even if, if it's not up to the standards that we would be expecting, normally we're watching basketball in the summer because normally – you know, June or July basketball is the NBA Finals, right, when it's at its highest level. Sorry, I got a lawnmower going by. Um, So, we know that it's not going to be perfect, but I don't think it's going to be terrible, and frankly, I really don't care. I'm just so excited to get to see basketball, and I I don't know, I'm kind of a nerd. I keep seeing these random names like the Michael Beasleys of the world popping up and and getting another shot at things. I'm kind of interested to see these guys, and See, maybe can these guys who are fighting for their professional lives inject a little bit of life into
4: things? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think they're going to get buckets. I think whether it's Beasley, if he gets minutes, or it's Jamal Crawford, um, I don't think those those type of guys generally win games. But, yes, I'm, I'm with you. It it feels like, an, it, it, for those guys, like an advanced veteran sort of summer league where you're going to match up. Those type of guys, with some, there'll be some G League guys playing who are hungry, right? Hungry, hungry to play. And that part of it is, I didn't even think of that, that part of it should make it fun.
5: Yeah, it's just obviously that's not who you're tuning in for. Like, I'm tuning in to see who's going to win a championship, you know, how's LeBron going to look after all these things, like any normal basketball fan. But also, you know, as someone who lives and breathes basketball, all these different sub-stories, they're really interesting to me
4: they 're interesting to me as well um, I guess my thought is pre the 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 games before the playoffs, especially the teams that are established, my guess would be they cycle through everybody they work at they they work on stuff they 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 let everybody plays like right like if you've got a uniform and some socks and some shoes you 're getting in. I, I I think that part will be interesting you know for like the Lakers and the Bucks and the Clippers my expectations are for them to tinker with some lineups play some depth you know try some different things as well and it'll be like an advanced preseason which I which I really like and then you have all those kind of, then you have the, the teams that are not playoff teams and that's you know like like the the Washington Wizards and how they play will be interesting and then you have the Nets who all their best players decided to to not show up uh, what what I, I want you when you see some of these dudes complaining about food and accommodations, what do you think?
5: Uh, on one hand, I kind of get it because they're 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 rich. Right. And I think any rich person or a lot of rich people or a lot of people with means in that situation who are used to a certain level of service. There's, there's going to be some grousing. We like to all say that we wouldn't, but, you know, I mean, I'm far from rich. And as I've gone through the years, I've been known to complain a time or two about a hotel that a lot of people would be very happy to stay in. But I think right now a lot of it is kind of tongue-in-cheek and just kind of a, a woes me. But I, I really don't think it's that big of an issue. And, you know, there's lots of things for me to get upset about in my life. NBA players complaining about their food at Disney just isn't on high on my list of things to worry about.
4: No, I, I don't. But I also think that that it's it's um, here's the, the, the part that I was thinking of where on one level we're starting to realize or maybe the guys are starting to realize that they do have power behind their voice. Right. Like, look, you're respected, guys, because in your chosen craft, you've made it. And many of these guys, as you've known, following them through the recruiting circuit, like they're they're actually very, very bright guys who would be successful in whatever field they chosen. They're just bodies and skills and early development was basketball. And so they've used that and it's built their platform. You're like, wow, I, you know, I, there's a lot of the rest of America who has come to figure out that these guys are actually super, super bright, active citizens of the United States. The juxtaposition of that with the, bitching about food and a decent hotel room, you know, where America goes to vacation with their kids. I just think it's a, it's a little bit of a dicey thing because the old picture is worth a thousand words, like video with commentary is worth even more words than that. And I just think you have to be very, you you look, you don't have to kiss everybody's ass and tell them how great Disney world is and how amazing it is. And when you're showing a regular hotel room, but I, I, I just think there's a limit and you got to be smart with your use of social media. If you're going to use social media just to have fun and to clown around with what's going on in quarantine. Cool. But if you use it for that and then you you want to, you know, you, you want social change. I, I think that can be really hard for most people's brains like my your brain. And I think a lot of people we understand there's a difference there. I don't know if that's how most people take, can make the switch in the social media. Oh, now you're serious about demanding social change. Five minutes ago, you are complaining about the fact that you got a sandwich in some sort of plastic container. Yeah,
5: I think, I think that's a really fair point, Doug. Um, you know, I think what you're getting to is could some of the message there, some of the greater, broader, more important societal messages that are looking to be made, can some people look at them and go, well, I can't take this guy seriously. He's, he's griping about how his chicken looks is staying in the swan in Disney, right? I get that, and I see that, and, and I see some merit in that, but I also think that anyone who's small-minded enough to dismiss someone's uh, position on, on social issues or things like that because they complain about some food, you're probably not changing
3: their mind anyway.
4: Yeah. That's a, it, 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 it's a, that's a very smart point
3: you made.
4: Eric Bossie joining us here in the All Ball podcast. Ten years ago, LeBron, um, it wasn't just that he chose Miami. It was the way in which he went about it. And look, you've been around for hundreds of these. I-, I can remember the time where I put on the Notre Dame hat to choose Notre Dame. And we had a little press conference. It's like a tradition that seems to be, you know, like uh, I remember, was it uh, Johnny B. Good, right? That was the remember that yeah. movie in the, uh, I think the 80s. Anthony um, Michael Hall, of course. Anthony Michael Hall, Johnny B. Good, where you have a big press conference, you announce where you're going to go to school. That was kind of what LeBron did, only he hired Jim Gray. They did it in Connecticut. There were some weird aspects to it. Uh, first thing, 10 years ago when that announcement came down, where were you?
5: Um, I was in a gym watching AAU basketball, so I didn't even get to watch it on TV. Where? I gosh, I can't remember. I would imagine probably, probably at the Peach Jam or getting ready for the Peach Jam. But I know I didn't watch it on TV, and so given the time of year, I'm going to assume I was watching summer basketball.
4: All right. So what do what what was? Do you remember what you thought? Was you just nodding, or did you think it was weird? Like what did you think?
5: There, there was a lot of talk about because certainly it caused a lot of things. Um, to me, I thought it was. I didn't think it was. I thought a little bit of much to do about nothing, and. and when I saw the video of it, I thought back to when Kobe Bryant announced coming out of high school, because he said something very similar. He said that he was going to take his talents to the NBA, and so I thought maybe it was kind of a, a nod to Kobe in it, and then all of a sudden, you know, things just exploded. I guess I didn't realize that it would, it would rub so many people the wrong way. I was just like, you know, this is a, a young guy making a big deal trying to do something different, and... Maybe it didn't go off perfectly, but you know, I guess I'm more of a uh, don't get too fired up about things you can't control and I'm I'm sure in retrospect LeBron would have liked to do it differently. But I think the the bigger conversation in it was what it led to with kind of the formation of the super teams and stuff that are coming about. And I think that more, more than how he did it is what really got some people going.
4: Did uh was it good for basketball
5: yeah i mean i don't i don't think it was i don't think it was bad for basketball um you know we all like to see guys compete but man i I, I kind of like seeing really good players play with other really good players, and that movement that they got going with with him and 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 wade and bosch and it it ushered in kind of a new era whereas you had super teams in the past but they were they were built from within because guys were locked into longer contracts and free agency was so much different and stuff like that. So it was kind of a I guess the the kick kickstart and the jumping off to the NBA that we see right now. And you know
4: as,
5: as I mentioned to you, sorry if I'm rambling here. I mentioned no, to good. you, I thought that was I thought it was a little bit of a byproduct of the summer basketball system that LeBron came up in when, you know, he was traveling to play with a team out of Oakland with Kendrick Perkins and Leon Poe and stuff like that. And I thought it was just a manifestation of the summer thing that most of those younger star NBA players who didn't spend much time in college came up through making its way to the NBA and those guys kind of learning that, hey, you know, we got flown all around in summer ball. Now we we can kind of take control of things and kind of reshape the NBA.
4: Yeah, the, the problem, the downside to it is, um, again, the juxtaposition with the National Football League where player movement is not, especially with the most important position, at quarterback, it, it rarely happens in the prime of somebody's, of, prime of somebody's career. Because really, they have to want to get rid of you in order for that to happen, right? Like Brady left, but Brady's 43 years old. Uh, right. Brett Favre left, but Brett Favre had retired and come back. It was his third time he was trying to come back. Um, Philip Rivers is like 38, 39 years old. And that that's the only, whereas, you know, in the prime of his career, there's no chance he's getting out of San Diego. No chance any of these guys move for the most part in the prime of of their career. And what I right. think that does is between the teams, the familiar, familiarity, and even the opponents of the teams, you, you know every year when you play the Annapolis Colts, you had paid Manning. Every year when you play the Patriots, you got... Tom Brady etc like there's a I, it's better for the sport and I think the same is true with the NBA and I, I again I understand the LeBron like for, to me the LeBron thing was more of also it wasn't just about playing with better players than he had in Cleveland or for better organization but I also think it was about a kind of a coming of age he hadn't gotten a chance to get out of Ohio he went to high school there he plays professionally there and like at some point like man I got to see what the I, you know I, I got to see what the uh, some other part of the world is like I got to grow up, and I think he did. Yep. And, and I think even losing that first NBA Finals helped him grow up. And, and, then, and then obviously came back and made it a success story. But I, I understood it. I, I can understand it and tell you he had every right to do it and get why playing around better players is already better. But I think it, 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 one, changed the trajectory of how we will always look at him, fair or unfair, that's just the reality of it. And secondly, I think it changed the landscape of the NBA for the worse because guys don't have the same affinity for where they're playing, and they're waiting for that moment where they can get out and they can you know, find the guys that they've always wanted to play with and create their own dream team.
5: Yeah, I think you've got some really fair points there, Doug. And I think also, though, if we're going to hold players to those kind of standards on things, I think ownership and general managers – and people of that nature and how they treat those star players has changed quite a bit, too. I don't think there's quite as much loyalty from that end of things. And so I think that has uh, enabled these guys and emboldened them to to grab the bull by the horns and do this more on their own. Whereas, like you say, you're talking about these NFL quarterbacks. There was never any question if those guys are going to get brought back. There was never any question as, if Pat Mahomes was going to get taken care of by the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I feel in basketball, maybe there's been a little bit more questions on those guys, and especially now with the way the, the contracts have taken off and everything and things of guys, you know, well, you know, we really want to keep Brad Beal around, but are we going to pay him this next Supermax when, you know, Beal's been nothing but the best guy a guy could be for the Wizards? But what have they done to help him out? Could you blame him for wanting to jump out on his next chance? You know, so there's a lot of sides to get taken, but I think you've got a fair point. And it's definitely, I think it's maybe a little bit different in how the different viewers and consumers of the NBA look at things. I think the more new school Twitter NBA fans probably don't care about it, but the the old school guys, the the more purists and things, like, you know, who, who sit around and really want a team and a guy that they can root for, through his entire career in one place, they don't like it. But guys, I think now there's more fans of players versus fans of teams, and it's probably a result of guys jumping around. So it's a little bit of both.
4: Yeah, um, I, I, I and I and I do think though it. it you know, I I think the AAU mentality also has has changed things. I, I know you're t- the Oakland Soldiers thing was always interesting. And, look, it's interesting because my, my, my late father, I mean, we used to bring guys in. Ronnie Henderson stayed at my mm-hmm. house for a, a summer. I mean, you've got to go back through. I could, we used to have a guy from uh, Roman Rubchenko who played with Ronnie Henderson at LSU, Uh uh uh, yeah, I, I can think of like 30 guys who would stay at my house from out of the area. And then AAU, of course, tried to uh, try to you know, change the rule where you got to play with guys kind of in your area. But it, it, but you could get around that by saying you're going to prep school or whatever. Like there's there was always loopholes. But it's interesting because that movement combined with the bronze movement um And I think some player empowerment because of social media. And I think that's why we have so much movement in college basketball, which I I definitely think has hurt the sport. Again, I'm a transfer and I'm not sure. And for people who don't know, like, yeah, I got in trouble, but I was thinking about transferring anyway, just for a better fit and to play with better players. Um, But I also think that, uh, so um, I'd be hypocritical if I didn't mention that. But I think all of this movement, it makes it hard when you turn on college basketball on TV to know who's playing for who because there's so much player movement from one year to the next.
5: Oh, no question. It all trickles down, and it's all part of kind of instant gratification. And, you know, there are a lot of players who – look at it like this. If you're a school and you recruit a kid who went to three different high schools and played for four different summer teams, I've got no problem with the kid who did that. He needs to do whatever he thinks is in his best interest, right? But if you're a school and you recruit that kid, expecting that you've got the secret sauce to be the reason that he's not going to switch, well, then I think it's kind of foolish on your part to expect a different result. You know, if you can make, if you can, if you can change that and you can get that kid to stay, then wow, you know, more power to you. You've done something impressive, but. A lot of it is, is guys taking guys that they know they're going to transfer. Or, as you know this, every spring we get a lot of, we get a lot of kids to get reached on by schools. And, and some of us in the industry, we joke around with each other, like, there's a lot of kids where we could probably write their transfer story the same day we write their commitment story. Just because we know either a history of jumping around or we know that a school is taking a guy – just to take a guy. So until we get schools not taking guys that they know they don't really have any future plans for, they just want practice bodies, and until we got guys going to places that they're serious about, it's going to be a problem. The the answers have to come from all around. So, you know, I, I think the NBA and some of those things, like, it contributes it because you dream of playing it and you watch those guys doing it. Subconsciously, you think you need to do that too. It's, it's human nature, right? But yeah. the, the solution is, it's, as you know, Doug, it's, it's a really big conversation, and, and, and it involves lots of moving parts.
4: Um, okay, so what you, for, for people who don't know, Eric's a national basketball analyst for Rivals. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Boss Hoops. Uh, you can follow him on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash eBoss Hoops. On Instagram, at eBoss Hoops as well. He's a McDonald's All-American voter this is your time of year, right? This is July. You're supposed yeah. to be Peach Jam, Vegas, India, Spice, you know, maybe come in here and watch some Pangos or some L.A. stuff or whatever. Um, how how are you able to do your job to evaluate when we didn't have a conclusion to high school, most high school hoops, we didn't have spring, and we're not having summer?
5: Yeah, it's it's been tough, Doug, because... For the most part, most state high schools associations got their seasons completed, or at least to a final four or quarterfinals or something like that. So you're able to go back and review the last month and a half of the season or so because there's so much more film available, whether it be with Huddle or NFHS or streaming services or whatever. So you can you can find a pretty good representation of how a, of how a player finished his sophomore freshman sophomore junior year of high school because those are the guys that we're evaluating now right but to go beyond that it's tricky because with these kids man what they looked like in february of their sophomore year looks a lot different than what they look like in july before their junior year of high school there's a lot of growth and a lot of maturation going on there and yes there's There's some events out there that are being streamed. Uh, You know, like you mentioned, Pangos. Dinos has run uh, leagues in Arizona and Iowa and Utah. Uh, There's been a lot of events in Texas, Florida, things like that. But that's really, I would guess, maybe only 20, 25% of the country is really out there playing. And guys aren't playing against the same level of competition that you're used to seeing against. And we're watching things online. And some streams are great. Some streams are not great. So it's, it's made it very tough to evaluate. You you still yeah, – I still probably spend, I don't know, a minimum of 10 to 12 hours each weekend watching live streams to try and keep up on guys and follow up on guys that people giving me tips on. But you just can't substitute being in the gym and seeing guys because you get so much better feel for actual size, actual level of athleticism, speed of the game, things like that. Um, you know, ability to decide on the fly and then also – we're only getting a quarter of the picture, and it's hard to sit there and say, okay, I feel like this guy's elevated into a top 25 player nationally or top 100 player whatever, or a high major win. You can't see him against three quarters of the rest of the country, or even if not against them, you can't see those guys from all those other regions. So it's, it's really tricky. And, man, I can't imagine what it's like for college coaches right now because I know what's happening. They're getting calls from high school coaches, summer coaches. And they're getting told, hey man, you gotta take my word for it. This guy's this guy's good enough. We need to offer him and we're in this you gotta offer environment right now in high school sports. And I think that a few things are gonna happen. We're gonna see some guys go too high, some guys go too low, and like you're talking about with the transfers, they've been bad now. We're about to enter we're about to enter like a tsunami of transfers in compared to the to the hurricane or whatever you want to call it of transfers and it's, it's it's going to get a lot worse before it gets
2: better i think this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is
4: I'm, I'm fascinated by, like, three names I want to ask you about in 21. Let me start with Patrick Baldwin. Um, he's a top five on everybody's list, maybe top ten. I don't know where, where you have evaluated. For people who don't know, his dad is the head coach at uh, UW-Milwaukee. His dad also played at Northwestern, and he's a former assistant with Doug Collins. Um, he's a great student. He's a very good player. He's 6'9". Last time we saw him, he was 200 pounds and there's the does he go to uwm and save his dad's job does he go to his dad's alma mater and 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 kind of save save chris collins job right or does he go to duke where of course chris collins played and it would it would kind of make a lot of sense and if the other things if the other entanglements weren't there for somebody who hasn't seen patrick baldwin jr play what what is he like
5: Uh, he's, he's gifted. He's extremely skilled. Um, he's regardless of position or class, he's one of the best shooters in the country. He can handle the ball. He's, as you might expect from a coach's son, he's very fundamentally sound. And by the way, another fun thing about Patrick Baldwin senior, he went to Leavenworth high school where I went. He was a senior when I was a freshman in high school. Um, so I have gone way back with those guys. But, you know, he's a new-age player. I, I think hes you can play him as a stretch four. You can play him as a big three. Uh, he's got tremendous versatility with, with a skill set and, and a high IQ, and the guy's a worker, too. So he's everything that you want in a prospect. And like you said, that recruitment is it's just really interesting because, by the way, you've got the North Carolinas, and the Kentucky's the world who want him real bad, and I'm sure the G League initiative – would love to have him, even though he's, he's made it pretty clear he wants to go to college. Um, I think Duke is probably the team to beat just because dad sees big picture and wants what's best overall for his son. But having spoken to both of them, you know that, that chance of coming to play with his dad, it's, it's very real. It's not something to be taken lightly. I don't think outside of that bubble people can understand how important it is for some kids to play for their father if they've got a chance, especially – a coach's son who hasn't had a chance to spend the type of time with his father that most kids do.
4: Um, okay, what about Chet Holmgren, a kid from uh, Minnehaha Academy? He's in Minneapolis, like seven foot one eighty five. Um, obviously, everybody in the in the in the, the Midwest wants him. Everybody nationally wants him. Really, really, really thin, but also skilled. Is he a twenty first century player at big? In that he can defend the rim, stretch the floor, and defend the ball screen?
5: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, I I think in in the NBA, it's not a perfect comparison, but you eventually hope to see him playing like a Carl Anthony Townsend type role, you know, a big stretch five who protects the rim, but shoots the ball and isn't your typical power player around the rim that we would expect of seven-footers of York in the NBA. Yeah, he's got to get stronger, but and you know this, you can't mistake being skinny for lacking toughness. And the thing that people really underrate about Chet is that dude is a competitor. Like, he'll, he'll shove his mother out of the way to get a rebound. He doesn't care. Um, he's going to play hard, and he's a good athlete. He's just skinny. But I think he definitely projects into what people are trying to do down the road. The only thing that's going to hamper him is just how long it takes him to develop physically.
4: Uh, okay, la- la- last player I wanted to ask you about was Kennedy Chandler, Memphis, Tennessee, Sunrise Academy. Um, I believe, you know, he and uh, maybe J.D. Davison, uh, maybe Hunter Salas, the kid from Omaha. Like, those are three. Of, uh, there's the, the roughing kid from Mississippi. But, you know, in the conversation of be- top point guard in the class, when w- if somebody hasn't seen Kennedy Chandler, what are they missing?
5: Uh, a little bit more of a, of, a, of a throwback point guard, I think. Yes, he can score, but I think he's more of a, a run-the-team kind of guy. If you're going to compare him to an NBA-type point guard, he's more Chris Paul than Derrick Rose in terms of, of style and attack. He's, he's going to pick his spots offensively. He's low to the ground and a lot more athletic and stronger than you realize. He likes that mid-range jumper. Uh as he rounds out and becomes more of a consistent threat from three, he he can be really dangerous. But also, you know, Chris Paul is certainly one of a kind. I'm not saying that the Kennedy is going to be him, but you don't see a lot of guys Chris Paul's size doing damage at the highest level of the NBA, right? He's 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 he's, he's the exception to the rule. And so that's what Kennedy's going to have to prove going on. But he's tough. He's a leader. Uh, he's a winner. He's strong-minded. And, you know, in a class that I think is pretty imperfect at the point guard, like that's probably the position group that as a whole I would have the most questions about in the class of 2021. Yep. You know, it's no knock on Kennedy, but in a typical year, you wouldn't think of him as the best point guard in the country. You know, you would certainly think of him as a top four or five point guard, but he's not typically the kind of guy you look to and go, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's the one. And here we get back to the summer conversation. Man, it sure would have been fun to see, okay, how, how, how does a Hunter Salas come along, who I'm a big believer on, uh, after seeing him with his high school team in the winter, because Omaha's not too far from me in Kansas City, you know? Can a J.D. Davidson, who is this extreme, crazy athlete and has vision, can he, can he, get, can he blend and be a little bit more under control and find things? And so how, how do we judge those guys right now? And if you're schools, how do you decide which of those are prioritize? You've just got to go with the guy that you've been, you've been rocking with all along.
4: Yeah, it's fascinating. You mentioned Kansas City. Is your RNA, is he going to Florida State?
5: Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't heard yet on your. I've been so wrapped up in trying to keep up with these high school guys, I forget about the transfers sometimes. But there's certainly been some rumblings about that.
4: It's a weird one, though, because, you know, his, uh, his old mentor, uh, Victor Williams, who played at Oklahoma yeah. State, right? And then, you know, he's like one of the only ones not to recommit to going to Oklahoma State because I think he wants like a bigger role, like, hey, dude, you got a chance to play with Cade Cunningham, and no NCAA tournament is actually a good thing, because that means every scout is rolling into every game that you have to play. I, I do think that he may have to sit because the year out, uh, that could be good for him, but I don't think anybody thinks they're going to sit this year, because they all think they're going uh, you know, to get to the COVID waiver. So uh, it's a, right. it's a and, weird one to me.
5: And, well, I would think he'll have a pretty good chance at a waiver since they're going to be ineligible for the NCAA tournament, at least as of now. And, no, no, and you, get, you get
4: automatic. You get automatic waiver, right. and so, that's the that's the remarkable uh, but, but, thing about them keeping all their players is they all could have left and transferred and played that, right away.
5: Right, and what's what's interesting, Doug, and obviously you know Oklahoma State as well as anybody else in the country. You're you're a little bit of an interested party there. You know, maybe yours role wouldn't have been like the star player, but he fills a role that they don't have anyone else to fill right now. Right, they, they've. He had a place that's going to be locked in because he's the, the true rim protector on the team. They don't want to have anyone else like that. It's, it's. I'm, I'm certainly surprised. At it. I'm sure, I'm sure. Victor was like, "What are you doing, man?" But it's, it is what it is. These guys, you know. I think Jor got off to a great start as a freshman. Probably played better as a freshman than was expected. Sure. And then had some struggles up and down last year. And now here we go again. We're, we're coming full circle to the discussion we were at earlier with with guys that will pack up a move. They don't want to fight through some adversity a little bit. And that's, that's not a knock on you. Or I'm not saying he's not willing to fight adversity or anything like that. But I think he's leaving what was really a good situation for him for the next two years, whether or not they could play in the NCAA tournament in 2021 or not. It was a really good setup for him. And so he's now going to be really tricky in picking where he goes because something might look good from the outside, but he's not going to know for sure until he gets there. And especially in the environment that we've got going on with COVID with so much in the air, it's a tricky time to transfer unless you're really, really unhappy or you're really, really getting done bad by a coach. And I I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm blind to this, but I don't see Mike Boynton as the kind of guy who's doing dudes dirty.
2: Uh, he's, nope
5: about he's about the sharpest guy I've come across in a long time and I think has a great future in college basketball and it's the kind of guy as a player that I think I'd be pretty likely to want to be around.
4: Well, my my, my point, if I was, and I haven't talked to your, and, uh, was, and this was, could he have a bigger role at a different school? Yeah, I'm sure he could. Now, one, I don't think he... He earned a bigger role. Right. Like wasn't like he was And two. But but here's the most important thing. Like, hey, if you're what is your goal? Right, Like if your goal is to go to the NCAA tournament, win a national championship, like, OK, that, that I can understand when you're at Oklahoma State. You're not going to have Cade in two years when you'd be a senior. But that, I don't believe that's his goal. I believe his goal is to play in the NBA. If you're going to play in the NBA, you're going to play as a roller and a rim protector. That's it. That's what you're going to do. Can you switch on ball screens? Can you defend the rim? And yeah, you can, every year you kind of work further and further out of making shots, but that's not really all that important as much as what you do at the defensive end. And can you roll, catch, and finish? And I, you know, guys get caught up in the how many points, how many rebounds, what did I average, where that's actually a role you – if that's your role, you won't have to change that role at all. And the hardest thing right, that guys have to do is they get to the NBA like, hey, all that stuff you did in college you can't do here. We need you for a specific task. And they have to parry down what they were trying to do in college.
5: Right. right. You're exactly right. That's, that's, it's, I'm, you were you, you more succinct to it. I tend to ramble sometimes, but we're on the exact same page here. Maybe York can find some place where his role is expanded. But the role that he was going to play at Oklahoma State is the role that he's perfect for. And it's the role that is likely going to be his future on the professional level. So he's walking away from as much experience for his future as he probably could have been getting at any school in America.
4: Last thing. Is there any confidence that you're going to have any event to evaluate in person this, this summer at all?
5: Not any, like, event that I'm used to going to in years past. There's, there's going to be no Peace Jam or no All-American Camp or Las Vegas Big Time or anything like that. Are there going to be some things? I mean, heck, I'm, I'm not even allowed to travel. <laughs> we're owned by Verizon, and Verizon has a travel ban for all employees. So even if there were an event until my, my employer gives me the okay to go ahead and go, I'm not going anywhere. Now, if there's something that I can drive to and be home that same day, like, for instance, in Kansas City in the next couple of weeks, there's a few smaller events going on where, like, MoCaN Elite, one of the top travel teams in the country, is going to bring in 40 to 50 kids for four or five days and do, like, a camp. KC uh, Ren GMC, is going to have a couple other nearby teams in and do kind of a camp and some scrimmage games. But that's, that's the extent of what my in-person viewing experiences are going to be for the summer.
4: Eric, great stuff, man. I love catching up and talking hoops with you because you, like me, love it. You, like me, miss it. And... I, I do think there's something cool, though, to having like to those of us who've grown up watching or coaching or playing in summer games in relatively empty gyms. Like I, I don't I don't think that's a, as big an adjustment for most of these guys as people will lead you to believe. Obviously, for a championship, NBA championship, it'll be weird. I think the hard part is going to be living in the hotel room for two or three months, like, at some point, you're going to want to kill your teammates, right? Like, uh, I I just need my own personal space.
5: you're going to miss your wife, your kids, your girl, whatever. Now, they can can
4: get there. They they actually can get there, but they have to quarantine for four days.
5: Right. It's not like it's not a typical going home and, you know, you you can go chill out in your basement and play some Xbox or, you know, watch the kid ride their hoverboard in the driveway and things like that. It's different. And, you know, real quick, back to your original point, with the playing time, yeah, what does seating matter now? with this? All that matters is getting in. And I guess seating matters a little bit in terms of matchups. But home court advantage, those crowds, those things are all out the window. And it's (laughs) it's fitting that it's at Disney, at at Wide World of Sports, because so many of these guys spent so many of their formative years playing in those buildings. So I think it's kind of cool to see them going back to it.
4: Eric, great stuff. Uh, remember, you can uh, follow him on, uh, on Twitter. We gave that out, Facebook, IG, wherever, and uh, still evaluating all the best hoopsters across the country. EB, thanks so much, dude.
3: Hey, thanks for having me on, Doug. I really appreciate it. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
4: Man, that was that was awesome with Eric. Yeah, like it if it doesn't if it doesn't make you feel like you're ready for basketball, like just two basketball guys. And and I'll I'll say this. Look, my, my issues with the bubble, I I mean, look, I haven't lived an NBA lifestyle, but I've I've gotten to a point where sometimes I do have to check myself and my expectations for a hotel. The danger is when if you're gonna use social media to be your platform for your voice for social change. You got to be careful about, you know, clowning a relatively nice upper upper echelon hotel room and all you can eat food service. Like, I, I get it. You're used to one. It'd be like if you're watching somebody hands you a brand new TV and says, "Hey, here's your TV for a month. It's standard def. Sorry, dude, you don't get the good channels." Like, we we have this level of expectation because of our time in the United States. We're gonna have high def. We're gonna have the best channels, and suddenly you can't get it. I I understand. You just got to be careful about it and and how it does dilute the rest of your voice when you handle it that way. Um, I, now that the, the rosters are completed in full, I I do believe that if the Clippers have Lou Williams, assuming Kawhi gets there and everybody's healthy, I think the Clippers benefit the most because I just losing Avery Bradley Really hurts the Lakers. They were playing great basketball, but they probably didn't have the best roster. Now their roster isn't as good. Yeah, JR Smith, who can make shots and can defend and does have, uh, obviously, po- you know, postseason experience. But I, I you've, you've taken away that momentum, which will be hard to regenerate. And I also think that playing in front of nobody will be better for the younger guys who are more of the more recent AAU generation where you just play games to play games. And you have to find ways to, to, to navigate this and manage against, uh, manage against you know guys being around each other too much and eventually being at each other's throat. Hey, hope you enjoyed the pod. A lot more to come. Remember to download, subscribe, and rate. Listen to The Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 through Pacific, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Follow me on IG and on Twitter, at Gottlieb Show. In the meantime, we're getting closer. It's going to happen. We're going to have actual real basketball on TV. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball.